2: We're talking free agency moves on RotoViz Radio. What's up, RotoViz? Welcome back to RotoViz Radio. I'm Dave Caban, Senior Fantasy Analyst at RotoViz, joined by Matthew Friedman of Fantasy Labs and the Action Network. And we have some now big free agency maneuvers to discuss, Matt. A couple of these breaking in between when I originally told you what we were going to be talking about today and the time that we recorded. For everybody listening, it is Sunday evening. There's a decent chance that another move or two will be made by the time you listen to this. Lot of big moves, Matt. Let's start with Aaron Jones re-signing with the Packers four years, $48 million. I guess this throws some cold water on the possibilities for A.J. Dillon.
1: And it really does um, at the same time. So like my reaction was I'm heartbroken and I'm also looking to buy A.J. Dillon wherever I can uh, in any dynasty league or even at this point, like uh, in a redraft league with his ADP certain to drop after this. I'm I'm now much more interested in going after A.J. Dillon. Um, entering this weekend, he had an ADP in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, depending on the league and just how aggressive people were. But in that general range, I expect him to drop at least a couple of rounds, but even I'd say like four rounds feels like something that could happen. And at that ADP, I would be pretty interested because I still think that there's going to be something of a, a two man committee in green Bay. It's hard to know exactly how it's going to break down, but like we do know, that last year the Packers did spend second round draft capital on AJ Dillon. I don't expect them to entirely, <clears throat> entirely put him on the bench. Uh, I think something like uh, you know uh, a sixty five percent split, where um, Aaron Jones is getting a lot of the a lot of the carries, basically all of the receiving workload. But maybe he's seeding. Uh, goal-line carries and occasional series to A.J. Dillon, that can make Dillon kind of interesting just in a vacuum. And then, of course, if Aaron Jones suffers an injury, A.J. Dillon explodes. And like that is like the real kind of like zero RB angle on A.J. Dillon, that he might have some value anyway as a goal-line back and change of pace back, and then in the event of an injury or uh, Aaron Jones just doesn't perform as expected – A.J. Dillon could really break out.
2: Yeah, you know, the other thing along those lines, too, is it's not like there weren't points in the past where we saw Aaron Jones, even when he was playing and at full strength, um, control every game. The Packers were a good enough team that there were times where Jamal Williams was able to get involved, too, and have a good game here or there. So I think you're absolutely right about the idea of him becoming one of these real attractive zero running back options now. Uh, In terms of... Aaron Jones, I am expecting Jones to be able to at least this season keep up a pace similar to what we've seen from him for a couple of years now. Uh, That is going to be inclusive of pretty decent touchdown volume, you know, the ability that we see in all phases of the game. I'm still pretty enthused about him heading into this year. But if we start to look through a dynasty lens and you think about Aaron Jones in comparison to, say, maybe derrick henry and alvin kamara does he fall into that tier still with those guys or do you think he's at a different point in the in the hierarchy of running backs
1: yeah i think he's a different point but i've had him as a different type of player anyway yep um and granted a lot of that was because i did not expect him to return to green bay But at the same time, I think a a pretty big difference is Derrick Henry doesn't have A.J. Dillon right behind him on the depth chart. And it's it's the same thing with Alvin Kamara. Like, there is not a guy right behind him who clearly could be a threat to his job or at least a significant portion of his job. And, And you mentioned the goal line ability of Aaron Jones. Obviously, two years ago, led the league with 19 total touchdowns last year in 2020 had 11 touchdowns. So a big drop from 19 to 11. I don't know if he gets to 11 this upcoming season. Like uh, he, he has the ability to do it. It's just a big question of whether the team is actually going to give him the opportunities. And I, I'm just, I'm a little bit skeptical. I don't know why they would when they have AJ Dillon there. Well, you know,
2: the two real curious things, as you think back to what the organization has done recently uh, a number one pick on Jordan Love, right? And then a number two pick on a player who's going to be behind a player that you resign. So you do wonder if somewhere in the organization's thinking, they do say to themselves, we have to extract some type of value out of A.J. Dillon. I don't know if they'll think like that, but it is real curious when you consider those two picks.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, I don't know if it even needs to be something that is forced, like organizationally, in terms of like, we must give A.J. Dillon the opportunity. Like, I think he's good enough to take the opportunity. You know, in the limited time that we saw him last year, um, you know, he had had issues early in the season and then was on COVID-19 list. But that one game where we saw him in week 17, he had 21 carries, 124 yards, two touchdowns. Like, I think he's good enough to earn a, a goal line role or to earn, like, the every three down series type of role uh, that we might expect out of a number two back in green Bay. So I don't, I don't think they need to go out of their way to get AJ Dillon work. Like, I think he's good enough. Like you just look at him and you're like, that guy can score touchdowns. Like, I think they can just naturally use him and he can gobble up a lot of the goal line opportunities that otherwise would have gone to Aaron Jones.
2: Yeah. And also, this is a player that is almost 250 pounds, 117 speed score coming out of college, you know, with the closest comp to guys like Derek Henry and these big bodied backs that can really just force it in at the goal line. So there, there's definitely potential for them there. Let's move to another NFC power uh, in the New Orleans Saints, Drew Brees officially retires. I will give you a chance here just to talk about how good Drew Brees was, Matt.
1: Uh, he was good. I don't think I really <laughs> need to talk. Like, it was funny because like earlier today, even before like you sent the outline or the news broke, I was looking through stuff trying to get set up for free agency, and I was I was like, wait, did Drew Brees like? Did he officially retire? Like, like, cause I was thinking like, I don't remember an announcement actually coming out. I remember them making an announcement that he restructured his deal, but there wasn't an announcement that he, that he had actually retired. And then, so I like for maybe 30 minutes, I went down this rabbit hole of reading as much as I could thinking like, wait a minute, is Drew Brees actually going to come back and we don't know it yet. Uh, and then like right after that. Uh, the statement was released that Breeze was re signed. So, yeah, Breeze, obviously awesome, uh, especially for his uh, portion of the career in New Orleans, um, you know, scoring a, a ton of touchdowns, throwing a lot of yards, uh, just, you know, a Hall of Famer. Amazing that he never won an MVP award.
2: Yeah, yeah, that definitely is, is wild. But if we turn our attention now off of Breeze, Let's think about, perhaps, a, a given given the extension here, maybe an, a future Hall of Famer in his own right, Taysom Hill restructures for a four-year $140 <laughs> <Stop> million, <it. laughs> million dollar extension. Uh, all years are avoidable. The deal frees up $7.5 million in cap space. Uh, the contract includes $9.686 million in signing bonus, $1.439 million guaranteed, a roster bonus of $1.034 million uh, per Adam Schefter. What do we do with this news, Matt?
1: I, I don't know. Um, you know, we have these sort of conflicting perspectives on it. So obviously you have Schefter reporting on this contract. And if you just look at the headline, it looks like a massive deal, like a a franchise quarterback type of deal. Um, but as you mentioned, all of the years are voidable. So this isn't. This isn't something that locks the team in and commits the team to Taysom Hill for the future, and so that's one perspective. You have money that is going to this guy, but you know it's it's not as uh, ironclad as it looks. And then the other side of this, you have Ian Rappaport reporting um, that Jameis Winston is like quote the likely starter yep. for the Saints, but he's he's still a free agent. They actually haven't gone the distance of bringing him back in and re-signing him. So even though it's expected that Winston is staying uh, and that he's, you know, maybe the heir apparent, that's not for sure. So if I had to lean on one way or another right now, I would still go with Winston. Um, But, I mean, Hill is technically right now because he's the guy who signed and he's the guy who actually has started games in lieu of Breeze. He's, I mean, he's the guy, but... I, I wouldn't draft him. If I had to draft someone right now from the Saints, it would still be Winston.
2: Yeah. Um, the weird thing is, and I would love to get inside of the minds in that organization to see how much of an emphasis or how much extra value they assign Hill because of the idea that they can use him at different positions, how much that factors into their like for him, which we know that they have. Because in one respect you know, there's utility in having a player on your roster that can fill these multiple roles, uh, provide maybe a level of like gimmick trip, trick type of plays, but who at the same time probably isn't as skilled in any one of those positions as other players that you might be able to just include in your roster for yeah. that specific purpose. So I find that really interesting. Um, I, I also am inclined to say that uh, you know they did do all right with Hill in there. I still think that Winston's probably the better overall option for them. So we will have to see what happens there. Uh, a quarterback, that it's, is... It's hard.
1: Yep. It's hard to say. I mean, they they did okay. Like they won. Uh, they won three out of four games with him, but two of those games were against Atlanta. One was against Denver when they had uh, whatever his name, the, yeah, the non-quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, the non-quarterback, Kendall Hinton yep. at quarterback. Uh and then the game that they lost was against the Eagles. Um the uh I should say um the Eagles led of course by Jalen Hurts. But you know, so they did okay, but it wasn't it wasn't like the full on Saints offense. Like it's it's a problem, I think, if, if Hill returns. By the way, like Hill is with this money, if some of the if a chunk of this actually gets paid out, like he might start to go into like Chase Daniel territory where it's like the amount of money this guy has been paid versus what he has actually done in the NFL is just ludicrous. Like we are starting to get to that point.
2: Yeah, you know what's funny about that too? I was recently looking at a chart that uh was a scatter plot and on one axis you had like um like wins over expectation. And then you had an efficiency metric on the other axis and chase Daniel was like dead last and like the bottom left of it. Um, You know, which just makes me laugh when you consider what this guy was able to accrue. Uh,
1: Yeah. It's amazing by the way uh, to just to add something. It's not like I'm really adding anything here, but over the past two years, do you know how many touchdowns Taysom Hill has scored From scrimmage. So not passing touchdowns, but like rushing plus receiving touchdowns.
2: I honestly think it's only like three or four.
1: It's 16. What? Yeah, he he had uh, nine rushing touchdowns over that time. Eight of them coming this year. And then in 2019, he actually had six receiving touchdowns.
2: Okay, wow, do I sound uninformed there? That's crazy. So I get you
1: yeah, know I mean the dude is actually finding the end zone, but it's like in an incredibly unsustainable rate.
2: Well, also too, I guess the pushback, like yes, good for him. Um, but is there any reason to think that another player couldn't have been doing doing that? No, I don't think so. right. Yeah I, guess it's, yeah, I guess that's a key piece. I know there's some Saints fans out there that, that, that now think I'm a moron for my tossing out of three or four, but, um, you know, we'll live with it. Um, all right, Matt, before we take a break, let's discuss Dak Prescott. Cowboys finally lock him up four years, $160 million. This is great news for every player in the offense. As a Cowboys fan, how good do you feel about this move?
1: Uh, I'm happy. I wish it would have happened last year. You know, like I feel like it would have saved, um, the organization and fans a whole lot of angst, um, or just uncertainty anxiety. Um, but obviously glad it happened. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, fantastic news for everyone in the offense. And like, I, I really do mean everyone. Like I think there will be many players who are underappreciated in that offense this year. Um, obviously Amari and, CD are going to be highly drafted, but, uh, Michael Gallup is the number three receiver, whoever it is, who's playing tight end. Um, I think even Zeke will be better this year. Uh, you know, not in that COVID fog, the offensive line will be healthier this year. Presumably the offensive line can't be any worse than it was last year or any, uh, any lamer than it was last year. So, um, good news all around for Dak. And then especially for the ancillary pieces in that offense.
2: Yeah, I think it's exciting if you're somebody that is interested in having players putting up a lot of fantasy points this year, because it definitely opens up the window, not only for Dak, but like you said, all of these players. And I'm really
0: looking forward to seeing a full year of... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: C.D. Lamb playing alongside Dak. We are going to take a quick break, but we will be right back.
1: Hey, RotoViz Radio listener.
0: This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021,
1: and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now.
2: Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line. So, if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to getroman.com/rotovis now. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Go to getroman.com slash now to get fifteen dollars off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Getroman.com slash Get started now to save $15 on your first month of treatment. Okay. Uh, a couple of big franchise tags assigned to two receivers that some people were interested in having. One of them, I think a lot of people wanted to return. The other people were hoping could get anywhere but where he was. And those are Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson. Um, quick thoughts on what these uh, franchise tags mean for these two guys. Are you there, Matt? Oh, I can hear you now. Okay. There you are. Yep. Sorry. Okay.
1: So for Godwin, I think it's very much business as usual. Uh, You just kind of run back, you know, what he did last year, make some adjustments, uh, you know, considering that he has another year with Brady. Um, But, you know, pretty much what we've seen out of Godwin the past two seasons, it's kind of an average of what you would expect for him moving forward with Robinson. We still don't have much of an idea because there's the possibility that the Bears tagged him in order to trade him, or at least to have the option of trading him. We don't know what's happening yet with their quarterback situation, whether Trubisky returns, uh, whoever it is who comes in, is that person you know, better than Trubisky? Like probably, but I mean, not necessarily. Um, so still uncertainty with Robinson, even though he's staying with the same team. Um, I think we would expect to see generally something out of Robinson this year, That's like what we've seen the past two years where he gets a ton of targets. He's not incredibly efficient with the targets, but you know, he's not that bad and he's getting enough volume to make him a low end wide receiver one on a week to week basis.
2: Yeah. So to your point about the efficiency um, 2018 ranked 95th in fantasy point over expectation with 77 in 2019, 59 in 2020. Of course, you cannot look at fantasy point over expectation and expect them to carry year to year. But I bring that up in saying he doesn't need really to be efficient. Um, in 2019, ranked 11th in PPR per game, 13th in 2020. Now, one thing that I think is interesting to think about is let's say that the Bears did somehow manage to get Russell Wilson I can see people becoming excited about this, but I'm not sure that that really propels him all that much higher in wide receiver rankings than somewhere around a low end wide receiver one where he's been
1: finishing. Do you agree with that? Hmm. That's, that's interesting. So I, I, disagree okay actually i'm thinking so if you if you look at his adp he's going right now is the wide receiver 11 but you know depending on the league it's not hard to imagine him going you know anywhere from like wide receiver 10 to wide receiver 14 15 but if if russell wilson uh or deshaun watson is traded to the bears i think Allen jumps up to like wide receiver six to eight
2: do you mean in actual Um, scoring or an or an adp
1: in ADP and then I'm kind of using that almost as a proxy oh, okay. for scoring. Okay. Like I, yeah. I do and I like I actually I do think he would he would move higher because that offense would be better. I think he would have roughly the same number of targets coming his way, but the offense would be better. So he would have more touchdown opportunities. And if, if he has a better quarterback, he might be more efficient on a per target basis. You know, like we we could see not something approaching 2015 where he has like 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns, but I don't think it's hard to imagine him having another season of 1,250 yards, but this time instead of six touchdowns, he has 10 touchdowns.
2: Okay, that's that's probably fair. Um, I, I guess I guess I will accept that premise. Um, some of it probably really does come down to if it's if it's Watson. I think I'm a lot more excited than I am if it's Wilson.
1: I think even if it's Wilson, Wilson is so much better than Trubisky, you know, like you, you have to imagine that even Russell Wilson, let's say if that offense still isn't all that inventive, if it's, you know, like sort of quote unquote, like chained by uh, Matt Nagy and and Bill Lazor, that's, that's kind of fine. Like Wilson hasn't been functioning and all that inventive of an offense to begin with. So I think it would still be significantly better than what we saw last year. You know, the Bears were 22nd in points per game, 23.3 points per game. Um, I think they would move closer to, you know, like number 12, number 13, maybe room for for more. Um, I don't know. I I think it would make a pretty significant difference to that offense.
2: Okay. All right. That's pretty, pretty reasonable. Um, We've talked about this a bunch um, and that is the Ravens' backfield and why J.K. Dobbins is going way earlier than it should. Well, he has yet to be signed by the team, the Ravens' general manager, Eric DeCosta did declare during a press conference last week that Gus is going to be on the team one way or another. So just a reminder... That um, you know that is something that looks like it is fairly cemented. So if you are thinking about trying to move J.K. Dobbins, well, people are still excited about him. Maybe um, if you're committed to that, you should do it before we see the team resign Gus. So those are a lot of the key pieces. Oh, we actually didn't even mention the fact um, that you're going to have Tom Brady back in Tampa Bay for a while now, but I think we essentially covered that when talking about Chris Godwin, unless you think that there's anything else we need to mention.
1: No, I, I think we're there.
2: Okay, so we have a couple of receivers remaining, Matt. You, so obviously, you have Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, Will Fuller, Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel. I have heard a lot of people trying to put out there that the Colts should make a play for one of these players, um, this is my question to you though. of the of the guys that I just listed, which one are you most excited about regardless of where they land? and then out of these guys, is there one that there's a, a landing spot you are especially interested in seeing them go to?
1: I haven't thought too much about landing spot just because it's you know like not anything I can predict. And so I'm not even going to really try to predict until like it actually happens. But um, you know, green Bay would obviously be great for any wide receiver. And there were the rumors last year of Will Fuller potentially going to green Bay in a trade. I, I mean, I don't think they're actually going to sign him. They just tend not to splurge in free agency, but the idea of Will Fuller, uh, with Aaron Rodgers and, you know, playing opposite Devonte Adams, who would command a, you know, a sizable uh, attention share from the defense. So like Will Fuller would basically be operating in a lot of free space. Like that's pretty exciting because it would mean that even though Fuller wouldn't be getting a ton of volume his way, um, Like, I mean, each game, I think he would have multiple deep opportunities to score touchdowns. Um, And so, you know, for uh, especially like the best ball format, it would make Will Fuller really intriguing. Um, So he's the guy that I'm thinking of, like for a particular spot, Green Bay, but also like regardless of where Fuller lands, he's the one I'm going to be almost certainly most interested in unless like Kenny Galladay lands in a perfect spot. Yep. but um, I'm kind of skeptical that that's going to happen because I think the teams that really need, you know, kind of like quote unquote, like alpha wide receivers. Those are the teams that kind of suck right now and like, don't have really yeah, good quarterback do. situations. Yep. Uh, and, and like, I'm just scared that that is where Galladay is going to go. Like, cause he's going to follow the money and those are the teams that are going to be willing to pay him. So I'm a little unsure about uh, Galladay and what he will do uh, next year and beyond. Um, but fuller, even if he lands with a team that isn't that great, I'm still going to be interested in him just because of his big playability.
2: Yeah. You know, Fuller was the guy that I was going to say, um, picking a landing spot. Actually, Green Bay was one of the ones that came to mind with Fuller, but he does feel like he would be so exciting pretty much anywhere that he goes. I'm going to give a homer answer here, but then it actually takes us into a topic that I forgot to put on the outline, but that I do want to get your thoughts on. I would love to see Juju go to New England just because of the lack of talent at the receiving position. He would, I think, be forced to uh, get a pretty decent volume of targets there. I would enjoy rooting for him. But let's take a step back from that and think about Cam returning to New England A lot of people are still, though, not convinced that that means that he's going to be the starter this year, necessarily. I think it's possible that he starts this year, even if the team is already planning ahead. You know, it's possible they do go for somebody in the draft. They see if that player is ready to take over for Cam. If not, they fall back onto him. But let's just operate under the lens of Cam returning as New England's starter at quarterback. What do we do drafting Cam this year? Obviously, we know he put up 12 rushing touchdowns, had a couple of games where he was a very solid fantasy quarterback, even if that didn't translate into New England sustaining on-field success. I still think with the team they had around him, it's it's fairly impressive that Belichick was able to get that team to 7-9. and nine. But um, before I just go down this Patriots rabbit hole, give us the fantasy perspective here.
1: Man, I, Okay. I don't think he was that bad last year. And a lot of that had to do with the 12 touchdowns. So like from a fantasy Mm -hmm. perspective, I don't think he was that bad from like a, you know, real life quarterbacking perspective. It was not good at all. Um, But part of that is, I believe um, because he was uh, joining the team very close to the start of the season, didn't have the full uh, training camp, all of that. And then getting hit with COVID-19 in week four. Now it's a small sample beginning of the season. So I don't know how much weight you can put on it, but I just, in terms of how he produced. And then I would say in terms of like the eyeball test, like how he looked, it was markedly different in weeks one through three to weeks six through 17. Um, And one through three, like the, the Patriots looked good on offense. You know, you had a game where Newton passed for almost 400 yards. He was rushing for touchdowns. Um, this looked like a fully functional team. Uh, Edelman got injured at some point. So things changed there. Um, you know, and then obviously Cam had COVID, but I think I'm, I mean, I'm going to jump back probably on the Cam Newton train. Um, just because he does have that rushing ability. I think the offense should be better this year than it was last year. Uh, in part because I expect him to be a little bit better, but then also just the pieces around him, Julian Edelman will be coming back. The offensive line should be a little bit better, maybe until Harry takes another step forward. Jacoby Myers is there for another year. So, like, you put all of that together, the offense should be better, and uh, I think the market on Newton is going to be almost non-existent, like very skeptical, but because of his rushing ability – like it means that in any given week, he does have the ability to be a QB one. So given that Newton is returning, he's someone who's going on my list as a quarterback target.
2: Yeah, you hit upon a lot of the things that I was going to mention. A lot of things conspired, for lack of a better term, to set up this situation that was going to make it hard for the team and for Cam to succeed In 2020, in addition to the things that you mentioned, and I I also am expecting that we're going to see Cam a little bit sharper, we're going to see the offense overall sharper. I also think that something that will help is the defense should be better this year too. getting some players back, you know, New England had so many players opt out last year, more than any other team, I believe it was due to COVID-19 concerns. I think that had a pretty big ripple effect on the team that uh, doesn't get talked about enough. So at the very least, I think it's fair to say that this team overall should take a step forward, and though it might have been ugly, Cam did still put together enough fantasy production that he's still somewhat in consideration if he's returning to New England, and there is some upside there given where we're going to see him at his ADP. Any other free agency notes that you want to hit upon before we uh, close off for this episode?
1: Uh, I, I don't think there are any big names that we didn't talk about, but one, we didn't talk about any tight ends. So, you know, a couple of guys, obviously to, to keep in mind, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, uh, you know, very much looks like they will not be returning to, uh, to the chargers and to the Titans respectively. I'll be curious to see where they land, but in the meantime, that does open up the possibility for Donald Parham to be the number one tight end with the Chargers. And that is definitely something to keep in mind because he he has a ton of potential. Okay, so
2: everybody, I want you to just explain real quickly why there's so much excitement about him. Because I have been seeing people on Twitter absolutely going nuts. This is a guy out of Stetson, um, exceptional broad invert metrics ran the 40 um at 468 at 243 pounds freak score of 75 83rd percentile among tight ends so there's some decent measurables there but again as i said this was a player coming out of stetson so why is everybody so excited
1: Yeah. So super athletic, as you mentioned, Uh, I believe he played some basketball. So he has, of course, like (laughs) that, you know, like the basketball background thing that people love. But the big thing is that he tore up the XFL. Yeah. And and so was just like a, a touchdown and receiving machine uh, in the XFL. Uh, and so people were excited about that, you know, just as some sort of like, almost like cult hero, uh, coming into the NFL, you know, one of the few guys who was able to, uh, to transition and leverage his opportunity in the XFL into, uh, an invite to the NFL and then actually made the team actually got some playing time, um, and was used, you know, kind of strategically near the goal line. And so obviously you're not going to expect that he has, uh, you know, three touchdowns for every 10 receptions again, moving forward. But, um, you know, he did flash some playmaking ability. So given that it was his first season in the the NFL last year at the age of 23, uh, he had eight yards per target, which is pretty good. Um, You know, there's some significant room for upside. And then, of course, you take into account that it's a new offensive system, but still has Justin Herbert as his quarterback. Um, You could kind of see the makings of the potential for a long career with a quarterback who looks like he might be the next big thing.
2: All right. Yeah, that's well put. That does actually get me a little bit excited. So hopefully it gets everybody at home interested as well. That is going to do it for today's episode. You can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at Matt F. The Oracle. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it.